When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the FPL podcast from Fantasy Football Community, a show that embraces everything about the world of fantasy football. I am Mark Jobling and with me today is well-known funded Sam Bonfield from FPL Family. Sam, we're four weeks into an 11-week summer break. How was yours going? Oh, I miss FPL already, Mark. It's one of those, isn't it, where I think the first week you're kind of like, oh, it's novel, isn't it? Like not picking a team, not having to stress about it. And then almost immediately afterwards, I'm like, oh, really fancy like picking a team. And then the fixtures come out and I'm like, oh, now I'm really excited because there starts to be that kind of start to feel like, oh, these are the teams I'm going to target. These are the players I'm going to target. It's just we need some prices now, right? Yes, it's sort of a gradual process. You, you sort of look forward to the summer and then within two weeks it, it begins again. So it's never really a, a true break, is it really? But as you mentioned, yes, the fixtures have already been released uh, for the upcoming season. And naturally, many FPL managers immediately ended their summer relaxation and opened the <laughs> spreadsheets and began a draft squad with completely 100%. hypothetical player prices, of course. And on both of our sites, FF Community and FF Scout, we've explored the early fixtures of all 20 teams. Some begin with a great run, some really don't, and others are a bit hot and cold, so it's sort of a mm. lock situation. Uh, Sam, which of the top sides has exciting early fixtures for you? I think Arsenal kind of are the big standout for me right at the beginning of the season. They have a really nice start to the campaign. I think they've got Forest, Palace, Fulham. Then they've got kind of, well, it's just a really nice run right the way through to game week seven is the reality. So you can kind of invest in Arsenal quite heavily, I think. And the benefit of Arsenal, if they start like they did last time around, is that you can invest in them in all positions. Now, of course, I'm expecting that we're going to see some massive price jumps for those Arsenal players, particularly the midfielders this year. Like, surely we're going to see Martinelli, Saka, those guys going up in price. I would expect to be seeing players like Saliba and and Gabriel and Ben White taking price rises this year. So if we're going to get price rises across that Arsenal squad, then 
tripling up is going to be hard, but they've definitely got the fixtures in that early period to kind of really hone in on them and, and target them. Yeah, it's sort of a good a good team to base that initial squad around, isn't it? And I think one of th- last season, Saka started off so much more expensive than Odegaard and Martinelli, but this season mm. they're going to be a bit closer. I think so. I, I can't see that they wouldn't be because when you look at the seasons that Odegaard and, and Martinelli had, they certainly didn't play as players that were that much cheaper than Saka was. You know, they were... They were outstanding for large swathes of the season, right? So, and I'm looking at those Arsenal players and I'm thinking with that run of fixtures that they've got to start the season, they're going to be highly investable. The only thing that slightly concerns me about Arsenal, particularly the midfielders, is the rotation potential that we have there. Because obviously we saw that in parts of last season with Trossard and Martinelli, but we've got additional players potentially coming into that Arsenal squad. If if you believe the transfer rumours that are kind of rife at the moment, if we, you know, envisage potentially the arrival that hasn't been fishy announced yet, but of, of Kai Havertz, if Declan Rice ends up going there as well, then you've got a lot of players in those kind of positions. We might see some rotation, particularly now that they're back in the Champions League. Once that kicks off, we might get a bit of rotation there. But in the early part of the season, before the Champions League and the European stuff starts, I can see them being highly investable. I guess the question is going to be for a lot of managers... I suspect Saka might still be a little bit more than the other two because he's on penalties and that's generally an appeal for FPL managers. But does the level of budget, do you need to spend that extra on him or or can you compromise a little bit and go for somebody like Martinelli or Odegaard if they are a little bit cheaper? Yeah, I guess there's also, if if, let's say Saka is only half a million more than the other two, that might see him be by far the most popular one because he has the penalties and less rotation risk perhaps because Odegaard and Martinelli were they both 6 million last year or was one Martinelli was definitely 6 million Mm. Odegaard might have been 6 or 6.5 so there was a huge gap there but if it's a a small gap and Saka has penalties the the other thing is the home match with Nottingham Forest which they start off with that was 5-0 last season um, and they will also, if if those signings do arrive, we have the community shield uh, to sort of help us to see how Havertz would fit in the team, for example, sort of thing. So, and I think the other benefit with Arsenal is that that they've got Manchester United and Spurs in their opening seven matches. So having those kind of two slightly more difficult games, they will see both of those, particularly the North London derby, as a game that's kind of must win at home. Um, and to get those two big six teams in those early weeks alongside really nice fixtures against the teams that we've mentioned already as well as Bournemouth who they have in game week seven that's a really attractive run because they've got opportunities for huge scores in some of those games like you mentioned with Nottingham Forest but also big derby games and a big big game at the top of the league potentially against Manchester United where they'll already be seeing those fixtures as as ones that they must win if they want to challenge for the title again next season so for me Arsenal are right up there and as a Spurs fan that's hard to say but they're right up there as a team that I'll be looking to invest quite heavily in going into game week one absolutely yeah and I think certainly once this season 
season's just finished now, there was one of the big summer questions about Erling Haaland at Manchester City was mm. how big is his price rise going to be? Is it possible that we go without him? And then the fixtures came out and Man City have a the fixture proof anyway, but that's a good they run. All of a sudden people aren't going to be deterred from from Haaland with that run, are they? No. So, you know, when you look at that early part of the season, apart from the Newcastle game in game week two, which, by the way, I think is going to be an absolute cracking game. But when you look at the games that surround that, Burnley, Sheffield United, Fulham, West Ham, Nottingham Forest, Wolves. I mean, there doesn't come a much nicer start to the season than Manchester City have. So for those managers that were kind of thinking, oh, if Haaland is the most expensive player we've ever seen in FPL, are we going to have him or do we avoid I don't think there's any chance you can avoid him with the way that Manchester City start the season. I, you know, I look at those fixtures and like you said, they're fixture proof really, aren't they? Because even in the game against Newcastle and in game week eight, when they've got Arsenal, those aren't games that I think, well, I wouldn't want to own Haaland for because they're going to see, like we were saying about Arsenal, they're going to see those games as big, important games at the top of the table, must win fixtures. There's a Manchester derby in there in game week 10. So yes, there is a bit of a period for them between game week eight and game week fifteen where they do have a lot of difficult fixtures. They place um they've got in there Arsenal, Manchester United, Liverpool, Spurs, and Chelsea, who you can only think are going to be better, alongside games against um Aston Villa and Bournemouth. So that period is difficult. But with the opening seven fixtures so nice, and with Man City likely to start the season well, because that's what they do. I don't think that I'll de-invest in them. I think they're going to be, you know, maybe you start the season with three and then you bring it down to target some of the nicer fixtures that come in around game week eight for other teams. But I don't think Harlem will be a casualty of that downgrade. Do you? No, um, not Harlem. The only thing is that between game weeks one and two, there is that uh, Super Cup. Yes. Yeah, the Super Cup. So... Uh, we, we don't know how important Guardiola will will see that, and you know how much we should be worrying about rotation there. But like a lot of last season, Haaland probably isn't a worry. But beyond that, like if you wanted to punt on Phil Foden, for example, already from the start, there's there's a there's a chance there that, that backfires. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of the pitfalls of Manchester City, right? You know, I had Edison towards the back end of last season and I look at these fixtures for Man City, particularly those opening seven weeks and think, apart from Newcastle, could I feasibly see six clean sheets? And I think the answer is yes, I could. You know, with with games against Burnley, Sheffield United, Fulham, could see clean sheets there. Nottingham Forest, Wolves, West Ham. Yeah, I can see clean sheets there as well. Like the defence looks like it's got a lot of potential in those weeks. But we even saw with Edison at the back end of last season that we had rotation. We saw it with Diaz during the course of the season. We've seen it with Stones and Ake over the course of the season. Like we've not had the consistency of starts that we maybe had seasons gone by from players like Cancelo at Manchester City. And you could you could know going into game week one, I'm going to buy Cancelo and I'm going to own him for the next however many weeks while the fixtures are really nice. Apart from Edison, I struggle a little bit to work out who that defender is going to be. And we're going to have to use the preseason fixtures to work out who's the most likely of the Man City defenders, I think, to get the surety of starts that we'll be looking for. Because, you know, there's a lot of talk about maybe Carl Walker leaving the club, people going elsewhere. So maybe it's going to be John Stones that becomes that player that we can kind of rely on in a way that we did with Diaz in years gone by or Cancelo in other years 
but it's working out who that Man City defender is. And if you get it right, then I think you're in a really nice place for this beginning part of the season. But the question is, can you get it right? And who who is the defender that Pep's going to rely on in all those weeks? Because like you said, Super Cup's coming. Then we're going to get the kicking off of the, the Champions League. We know already that Man City are going to blank in game week 18 because they've got the Club World Cup to go and play in. So all of that stuff's kind of playing out in the back of my mind with them. And I think owning... Harlan alongside KDB is going to be very hard. Like, because KDB's had a great season last year, can only see him sticking at a high price point. But then if you want Salah and Kane as well at different points in the season, it's going to be a struggle. It is because we aren't this season going to have that World Cup unlimited transfer period. So when it comes Mm -hmm. to using that first wild card, it isn't as short term this season. Like if you use a wild card early on, that's probably gonna to have to last you a long time. Yeah. And we didn't have that problem last year. So it just it makes you more cautious about Man City even more than than usual. I think it definitely does. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Because you know when you look at the fixtures the way that they are, there's quite a nice fixture swing around game week five. There's also quite a nice fixture swing around game week nine. So they feel like the moments where a lot of FPL managers will use their wild card, but five feels early now in seasons gone by it didn't feel that early to use it in five that's always about where I would use it but because of the world cup last year and because I didn't want to play it too early because I wanted to make sure that I was kind of managing my team for those different periods of time between the start of the premier league the world cup and then the unlimited transfers I held it so I'm looking at game week five thinking goodness well that feels very early now if Mm. I've got a last till christmas with this team because like you say the Manchester City rotation and it's not just Manchester City anymore we get it everywhere and there's a lot of teams with new managers like when you look at Spurs and Chelsea going into this season with their new managers don't really know what those teams are going to look like how they're going to start who they're going to be the right players that the managers want to deploy and how they're going to deploy them we could see whole new positional changes in those clubs in terms of the tactics that they deploy whether they're playing four at the back three at the back how they're using the wing back, all of that stuff is is unknown when you look at those two teams. Um, and I I do think that we have to therefore plot and be careful with how we're doing it. Arsenal, there's rotation there for sure, but they feel less difficult to invest in somehow than Man City. Man City, it does feel hard. And I think we're going to have to be, going to have to take some punts potentially with Man City. And if we make the wrong punts, move them quickly going into kind of that nice period because you don't want to I think you don't want to not have City for game weeks one through seven you're going to want to be trebled up or at least doubled up on Manchester City in that period and just know to move quickly if the players that you've invested in don't get the returns and the starts that you want yeah and there was a a mention of Chelsea there and sort of very nervous about mentioning Pochettino and and Chelsea (laughs) around you are are, are we are we serious (laughs) Hear this out loud? I may break into tears at some point. (laughs) No, I'm all right now. Now we've got a new manager, I'm all right. Well, they Chelsea faced Liverpool in game week one. The last four have all been nil-nil, by the way. Mm. Um, And no team was involved in fewer goals last season than Chelsea at either end. But after that Liverpool game, they pretty soon faced Luton and Nottingham Forest and Bournemouth. We just have no idea how they line up, do we? 
No, and that's the problem, isn't it? Because I I actually think that it's quite an exciting time to be a Chelsea fan with Pochettino coming in. I think if they give him the time that he deserves in the way that Spurs did in the early years, you know, we didn't necessarily expect results straight away from Poch and he came in as a bit of a project manager and we started again. And that starting again process ended up at a Champions League final. And okay, we never won a trophy, but the progress that Spurs made in the years under Poch was huge. And I look at the Chelsea squad and the potential that they have there and think those players with the clear out that Chelsea are currently doing as well and getting rid of some of the old guard, getting rid of the players that Pochettino clearly doesn't see as part of his Chelsea team moving forward. And obviously they'll bring players in as well. I think it's quite exciting if you're a Chelsea fan right now. And and like you say, that opening day fixture against Liverpool, um, it doesn't look great from an FPL perspective. It's not something that I would want to massively invest in. But having said that, because the fixtures change immediately afterwards, I don't think you want to be banking on making a transfer straight after that game against Liverpool. So I think, you know, if in pre-season we see the likes of Rhys James and Ben Chilwell getting regular starts and being deployed in the way that we suspect that they will under Pochettino with this kind of free-flowing football, then maybe it is a case of saying, well, okay, I'm going to have one of them for game week one because it often ends in nil-nil anyway, I might just play them because there's always an attacking potential there, right? And then I've got them set for this really nice run of fixtures that Chelsea go on. And and by the way, between then and Christmas, Chelsea are one of the only teams that have two periods of really nice fixtures because they have this really nice set between two and and eight. And then they have another really nice set between 16 and, and 19. So we could see a situation where you want to be heavily invested or you at least want to be invested in Chelsea. I think knowing who it is is hard, but I think if you want to go with a defender, that makes sense with the fixtures that they have, because I, I don't think we've yet got a clear understanding of what these attacking players, well, who, who even are they going to be? Surely they're going to sign a striker. So I don't think you're going to invest in anyone that's currently there at Chelsea in the, in the attacking lines when the game is released. But the midfielders, again, it feels like a bit of a minefield, doesn't it? Because they're all being linked with moves here, there and everywhere. Who's staying and who are they bringing in? So maybe if they bring in a big signing in the middle, then you think, right, well, that's the guy I'm going to go with. But I think Reese James and, and Ben Chilwell probably are the ones. That's it, yeah. Ideally, there'd be sort of a wait-and-see approach to Chelsea, but with the fixtures, so good early on, there's not that wait-and-see period. Mm. Liverpool, well, on the Fantasy Football Community website, we did publish a captaincy rotation piece on Friday morning, and we were just looking at the the elite options and sort of like Haaland, Rashford, Mohamed Salah, etc. And the only real standout Liverpool game early on might be that Bournemouth game week two, but last year, of course, Salah infamously blanked in the 9-0. Yeah. And um, do you base decisions on those on those sort of things? Is is there a way you go without Salah, perhaps, or not? So I went without Salah for the majority of last season. It was it was scary, I'll be honest. Like it wasn't um it wasn't something I was comfortable doing. But I wanted Kane because of the consistency that we saw from him last time around. And obviously I was going with Harlan. And I didn't like what having the three premiums did to the rest of my squad. I felt like it meant compromises elsewhere. Like I wanted to own players like Trent. And 
if I had Salah in there, that made that almost impossible to do without sacrificing a couple of the bench slots. And because we were seeing a lot of rotation at different points of the season, I, I didn't feel comfortable doing that. The Liverpool fixtures are a bit of a challenge in this early part of the season. So yeah, like you say, there's the Bournemouth game in there, but they start with Chelsea, then it's Newcastle, then it's Villa. Like three of those four, very, very tough fixtures to start the season with, to have those new manager at Chelsea, going to want to get off to a good start. Newcastle riding on the quest of a wave, bringing in great players in the transfer window. Um, Aston Villa doing amazing things under Emery last season. and, And I can't see that that will change. Game week five, that game against Wolves, that feels like the moment to me where I'll start to look at investing in Liverpool. Um, Wolves and West Ham, that feels like two nice fixtures for them. After that, Spurs and Brighton, which are difficult. But Liverpool Spurs, as I know very well in my house, is always quite an exciting game. There's always goals in it. It's never a nil-nil boring one. So you can kind of always bank on the big players returning in those sorts of matches. And then after that, like you say, there's a really nice set of fixtures. The Merseyside derby, then Nottingham Forest, Luton, Brentford. Then, all right, there's Man City, but then Fulham, Sheffield United, Crystal Palace. Like, nice fixtures there. The one caveat I put around not investing in Liverpool until game week five is the price point. So if you're currently, if you're thinking maybe actually going into game week five is the point where I want a wild card, then that's fine because you can move your money around to Liverpool. There is part of me that wants to wait for nine, probably. Try and wait for nine. That will be my my stance, I think. Try and wait for that fixture swing and invest in the wild card at that moment. So if I'm going to do that, how am I going to afford to bring in a premium Liverpool player? Because let's be honest... Even if you go for a mid-price Liverpool player, they're going to still be on the expensive side. They're not. You're not going to get them cheap. You're not going to get the likes of Gappo um, or somebody like Jota or Darwin Nunes. They're not going to come in at, you know, six million. They're surely going to be at least what they were last time around. I don't see them coming down in price. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see that. So then you're going to have to find somewhere in around the kind of seven, eight million to invest in these players Or you're going to have to find however much it is that we're going to have to pay for Trent. Making that budget stuff's hard. So there's a big part of me that can see myself going into this season invested in a Liverpool player, knowing then that I've got the budget to get to whichever one it is that kicks off. Salah's an anomaly because Man City have got nicer fixtures in that beginning part of the season. Spurs, I mean, they've got a mixed bag as well. They're not, they've not got an easy run to start the season, but they've got, I think, an easier run in the opening few weeks of the season, particularly one to five. They've got an easier run than Liverpool. Um, so, yeah, maybe you want Kane, maybe you downgrade Kane and you you know, go move to Salah at that point. It's tough, I think, is what I'm saying about Liverpool because the fixtures don't start as kindly as they do for Arsenal and, and Man City. Another Spurs player of interest, I think, in terms of being excited for price reveals because Sun Hung Min, mm. if he got a, a decent price drop, we could maybe say last season was an anomaly or something. He he could be back on the radar again, perhaps because as you say, those fixtures certainly three to five. That's that's a really nice mini run there, isn't it? Um, mm. There is an uncertain factor by the new manager, but yeah, Sun FPL. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the Sun thing. I mean, he came out and said that he's 
he had an injury last season. He never really shook it off. He was carrying it for the whole campaign. And watching Spurs, it felt like he was not quite right. There was something wrong. It was either a physical thing or a mental thing, and I couldn't quite work it out. And in the early part of the season, I thought it was a mental issue. I thought it was partly because of the new systems that we were playing and the where where Perisic was on the field was kind of impinging on where Sun normally is. And in my mind, I was kind of like, well, is he not able to play his game fully because constantly being... His, his position on the pitch is constantly being kind of invaded by Perisic or whoever it is that's playing oh. in that in that defensive wingback position. Um, this season, I don't think we'll have that. So under the new manager, in the past, he's always had his wingbacks not not holding the wide lines, coming in and getting more involved in the centre and then feeding out. Now, if that happens at Spurs, that makes Sun a so much better asset because suddenly the balls are going to him where he wants them and he's got the space there because he's not being crowded out by everyone else getting up there. So I don't hate the sun shout at all. And I think a lot of managers will look in the early part of the season to invest in Spurs because they've got Brentford. Then, all right, it's a tough first home game against Manchester United, but then Bournemouth, Burnley, Sheffield United. Those are nice fixtures. Then it's the North London derby and then it's Liverpool. So two difficult ones there. But as we've already said, those games tend to be high scoring. So if you were talking about the forward players, you could stay invested if you wanted to. I think you're right in what you say. I cannot see that they price Sun at the same price as they did last season on the season that he had. And when you look at players that are roughly equated to the same number of points that Sun got last season, they were priced somewhere between like six and eight million. And there he was in the kind of 11 and a half category. Mental. But the season before, he was the highest scoring player, you know, highest scoring, goal scoring player in the game, in, in the league. So he had to be that price. It's just that he had a poor season. I don't think that poor season continues this year. I, I really think that he'll be better. And likely cheaper than Kane, surely on the back of Kane's great season last season. Of course, this all depends on whether Kane is still at Spurs when game week one goes around. But I think there's an option there for sure. One player who was, well, in hindsight, was extraordinarily cheap was Marcus Rashford. Uh, mm. 6.5 million. Um, I guess the, some of the Manchester United players as a whole had that big price hit because of their bad season. Something yeah. that we may see happen to another team uh, when the prices come out. But Manchester United begin by hosting Wolves, who lost 6-0 and 5-0 in late away games last season. And then it's Spurs and Forest. So what price are you hoping Rashford will be? And if it's similar to Fernandez this time, which do you prefer? I think it's got to be similar, hasn't it? I, I can't see that Fernandez can still be his price. I can't see Fernandez dropping in price. So he's got to stay where he is. So surely that means that Rashford has to rise to a similar price, if not the same price as Bruno. Bruno's got pens, so maybe that tips him a little bit higher. Maybe that's a half million. But it's got to be similar. They've got to be in the same ballpark this year because Rashford... And, and think about, you know, if he hadn't have had some of the injuries that he had and missed some of those matches, the, what he could have got out of the course of last season because, he, you know, he... He was just brilliant and and so cheap and such a great enabler in the same way that the Arsenal players were. He will be one of the names that I think a lot of FPL managers look at 
when they are first building their game week one squads. When they when the game drops and people go in to build their squads, Marcus Rashford will be will be a player that people look up the price for. They'll he'll be a player that people go, how do I get Rashford in my team? Because I think Manchester United they found form under Ten Hag in that final part of the season. They really kicked on and they'd it became clear what he was trying to do there, the style of play that he was trying to play, how important Rashford is to that system and the way that they play. So I absolutely favour Rashford over Fernandez, even with the penalty thing. He'll be the one that I'll be looking at from a Manchester United perspective because I think, like I said for, for Liverpool, I think you probably are going to be wanting to have a Manchester United player in there to make sure that we have we have that position kind of ready to go because you probably want to play them in the game against Wolves. I think you still want to play them against Spurs, even even with a difficult-ish fixture on paper against Spurs. I think you'd still play them. And then you've got Forest. The two after that, Arsenal and Brighton, let's see, because they, they could be tough games. But then after that, Burnley, Palace, Brentford, Sheffield United. You want Manchester United assets in there and you want attacking Manchester United assets, I think. So... For me, unless you're planning that early wildcard, I don't want to be booking in transfers and therefore I'm likely to invest. Uh, one of the more interesting fixture runs belongs to Newcastle because it's a tough start. It's a really tough start. Aston Villa, mm-hmm. then Manchester City, then Liverpool. It's And that's a big question about Kieran Trippier because he was last season's best defender embedded yeah. into the template from early weeks, but he's probably going to get a big price rise. Clean sheets sort of dried up later on, and then this start is so difficult. So is he popular this time? It's hard, isn't it? Because I think going into the fixtures, Trippier was one of the players that I was absolutely adamant would be in my game with one team. He wasn't even a player that I was considering not having. Like, I just kind of... In my mental tick of, you know, players you have to have for game week one, I was like, oh, Harlan, Trent, Trippier. Like, there was a few of them that I was like, well, I'm just going to have to try and find a way to make the prices of these players work. Then the fixtures dropped and I was like, oh, how do I feel about owning Kieran Trippier now for game week one and into the start of the season? Because Aston Villa, Manchester City, Liverpool, Brighton. Wow, those are four horrible fixtures for a defender because whilst Newcastle might get something out of those matches I just don't see any clean sheets in those first four games and when you're going to be having to like surely Trippier's going up surely Trippier is taking a price rise I cannot believe he doesn't take a price rise he's on set pieces he was brilliant last season he was actually bonus points magnet surely he goes up but those opening fixtures I just look at them and go oh goodness I don't fancy them at all for clean sheets so yes of course Trippier could get some attacking returns but then there's that nice run isn't there from game week five is Brentford and then up but after that Sheffield United Burnley West Ham Crystal Palace Wolves then Arsenal Bournemouth those fixtures are perfect there's going to be set pieces potential there there's clean sheet potential in those that's when you want Trippier so again, I, I think it goes back to that question of trying to work out what you're doing with your team. If you are in a place where, say you wanted, say you wanted somebody like Luke Shaw for the opening three game weeks of the season, like, you know, you look at those fixtures, Wolves, Spurs, Nottingham Forest, and you think, okay, I'd quite like to be invested in Luke Shaw for those. But then I don't fancy him for Arsenal and Brighton. 
then you could feasibly not start the campaign with Trippier and then you could swap Luke Shaw out for Trippier after game week three. All right, you've got Trippier against Brighton then in four, but then after that, you hit that whole nice fixture run that we just talked about. It does mean that you would lose Luke Shaw for the nice fixtures that they have from game week six. So maybe Luke Shaw's not the best example, but I think that there are... There are some options, I think, with Trippier, as long as you carefully select somebody in the right price point that you could swap him to. Because yeah. my worry with Trippier is that if you invest in him for game week one, he could be one of those players that you have because you want him longer term. And then he could drop point one a couple of times in the opening couple of game weeks because the fixtures aren't kind enough to get clean sheets and people might just go, particularly if somebody else starts well, like if Liverpool start well and you've not got a Liverpool defender or say Spurs start well and you've not got a Spurs defender, you could see a lot of FPL managers going, well, he's not kept me any clean sheets yet, so I'm going to move him on. And then it's it's that kind of thought process that it goes through my mind anyway. But Trippier... It's a real shame. These opening fixtures for Newcastle is a real shame because otherwise I think he would have been in a lot of teams. Yeah, and another thing, we can wait until it happens, of course, and he hasn't signed yet, Sandro Tonali, but if that transfer does go ahead, he's he could be sharing set-piece duties all of a sudden because yeah. he did something for Italy under 21s the other night, so that could be something else that Trivia loses and, and dents his appeal even more. So if he does drop 0.1 million in those opening couple of weeks that effectively is like half a million in FPL terms yeah because particularly in these early weeks you can't you can't make that up easily in the early game weeks as we get further into the season I find that the point one here and there doesn't make as much difference because likely you've had some players rise as well as players fall and you've earned point one here and there and you can kind of manipulate stuff to make it work but in those early weeks if one of your players takes a drop it's really difficult without a hit to move them on. So I do look at Newcastle in those early weeks and think, could that be a bit of a trap where price points are difficult with them? Maybe waiting is is the better thing with Trippier. And, and that feels ridiculous given how great he was last season. But I do think their kind of hop-on fixtures really start from game week six. And you can hold him right the way through to 12 then even though there's the Arsenal game in there. That's the period I think you want Trippier for, or at least a Newcastle defender for. You might decide you want to go for somebody cheaper, but at least a Newcastle defender in there for them. But I I do, I definitely think there's a case for not having one until game week five, game week six. And just looking at the other teams that we haven't mentioned so far, there's quite good looking starts for Brentford, Brighton, Everton, although... Who would the player be from Everton, really? Um, and when it comes to Brentford, there's the situation without Ivan Tony, where you've got potentially Mbwemo and Rissa, but potentially a new sign-in as well. Everton desperately need a forward. Um, no team had more shots or shots on target than Brighton throughout the whole of last season, which I was surprised to find yeah. as ahead of Man City. Um, although Matoma, he was in the template till the end, but he actually he rarely scored over five points in in that final in those final couple of months. So, from those three teams, who stands out to you? It's 
difficult, isn't it? I, I think Embuemo could be the one, you know. I think there is a lot of scope in those early weeks for him to do really well. And we saw him do really well against Spurs at the back end of last season. And of course, it's Spurs that they play first in game week one. With no Tony, even if they sign somebody else, I think he's their obvious go-to pick. It, he, he looks great. Spurs, Fulham, Palace, Bournemouth, lovely. That's a really great one and a good start for, for them. Everton are really appealing. They are so appealing from a fixtures perspective because their fixture run is nice right through game week eight. But I genuinely don't know who you would have. Like I, I look at that Everton team and I remember at the back end of last season, it was the same. You were kind of going, all right, I'm going to invest in some players. Tarkovsky probably, it again, comes out as the one that I would kind of pick out from them because I think the fixtures lend themselves to some clean sheets. But I'm not convinced as to there's a lot of kind of uncertainty about Everton, about who's staying, about who's going, about whether they can survive in a Premier League. Like they've scruff of their neck survived for the last two years. Can they do that again? If they've got to sign some players, they've got to re- they've got to have a rebuild. They've got to start again effectively. And I don't know, but the fixtures are great. So they're going to be a club that I'm going to watch in pre-season. I'm going to listen carefully to who comes in and see whether they're strengthening in the places that they need to. Because the fixtures are great for the longest time in terms of the opening set of fixtures. They go right through to eight. But it's difficult to invest in them, isn't it? It really, really is. Uh, we've got a we've got a piece coming out on Scout uh, reviewing Everton's season and only four FPL goals came from their forwards. <laughs> Mad. And Dwight McNeil was top scorer, but up to game week 30, he'd only scored... I think it was three times. So attacking-wise, there was just nothing from an evident perspective. So, yes, big, big summer for them, without doubt. Tough starts for Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest. Um, Well, Forest is a a little bit mixed, but the the good fixtures are immediately surrounded by terrible ones. So Yeah, that's the trouble. uh, it's, It's very much hit and miss for them. What I would say, though, about Forest is you do know what you're going to get. Like, having watched them from last season, like, we do know what we're going to get with with Nottingham Forest. There might be some good budget enablers in there, like we had with, like, Nico Williams in the early part of last season. Like, you might just find that you get your playing 4.0s from one of these teams that's in that kind of bottom end where the fixtures are. Like, they're okay, they're not great, or their, their good fixture run is later on in the year. But... You know, I think I think there's potential. Depends on how they price them. I think that's going to be key with teams like Nottingham Forest. The promoted sides. Are you are you interested in any of the promoted players? Because Luton rank highly on scout season ticket, but they'll always be underdogs, won't they? Yeah, they will. But I also kind of think that there's always one team that comes up from the championship that really surprises me in terms of their attitude, the gusto that they show. And this year I've kind of got the feeling it might be Luton because their stadium is tiny. It's going to be an absolute cauldron of noise. It's going to be so unlike anywhere else that the Premier League players go to on a regular basis. So, you know, when they throw in, they can almost in the front row of the crowd. Like there's that little space between the pitch and, and the fans. And the fixtures are good. Like if I was Luton, I'd be looking at the opening fixtures that they have and saying to the players, right, guys, if we want to stay here, which we do, 
these are the games. We have to win this early part of the season because it does get more difficult for them as the season goes on because, like you say, they're always going to be the underdogs. But when you look at those early weeks, all right, it's Brighton to start. It's difficult. Then Burnley, then it's Chelsea. West Ham, Fulham, Wolves, Everton. You've got to be getting points out of games like that. Nottingham Forest are in there as well. Palace are in there. If they can get points out of those early fixtures, they will put themselves in that kind of mid-table, mid to lower table. And putting yourself there by Christmas gives you a great opportunity. Then when the fixtures get harder, you've got a bit of a buffer between you and the bottom. And, and I feel like Luton might need that. Um, but I do I do think that they will offer value. We know what we're getting with Sheffield United and Burnley. All right, we're going to get some different assets for sure. But we know roughly what we get with those two teams because they've been in the Premier League before. You know, we had Lord Lundstrom from Sheffield United before. We might get similar. Like we might just find a bit of magic from one of those teams. And those are the sort of teams that I don't mind when the fixtures don't look great because most of the time they're going to sit on the bench anyway. So we shouldn't necessarily rule them out. We should just look at, and I think that's the key, is it's looking at these kind of hop on, hop hop off periods of fixtures for the bigger clubs to work out how you manage your premium strategy. But I think generally with the budget strategy, the option it's basically just like we did with Andreas Pereira last year. You buy them, you keep them, and you bench them during the difficult fixtures, and then you play them when you need them. That's kind of how I see Nottingham Forest, Sheffield United, Burnley, Luton, Fulham to some extent as well. Although maybe differently I feel about Mitrovic and, and Pereira, although price jump for Pereira, surely. Mm. Um but yeah, those sorts of teams I kind of see as my budget enablers, which I'm happy to own even in the difficult runs because they're going to help me to create, hopefully, if anything like the live FPL prices are correct, it's going to help me to to create a team that I, I think could be really good. And uh, before we wrap things up, there, there is a few teams that we haven't really mentioned yet, the likes of West Ham, Aston Villa, Crystal Palace. Anything, anything catch your eye from the other teams, maybe? Well, I think West Ham are going to be interesting, aren't they? They're coming off the back of a European victory trophy. What's going to happen with the Declan Rice saga? How's that going to play out? Who are they going to bring in if they do, as it seems like they will, lose Declan Rice? And can they do another season in Europe and a Premier League campaign? Because I think that's really what killed them in the Premier League this time around. That Because they were doing really well in Europe, but in the Premier League, it was not working. Aston Villa... How will they cope playing midweek and weekends? Because this is a team that aren't used to doing that. And that is different. It's very different to go from playing just once a week on a Saturday to playing on a Thursday night somewhere random in Europe and then coming home and playing again on a Sunday and then doing the same over the course of the whole season. I like Aston Villa. I think that they are worth investing in. I really do. I think they will be a force. But I do worry what happens to them when the Europa Conference League kicks in. And, and how they're going to manage that kind of... Because there's not a big squad. It's not a big squad for managing European action. So we'll have to see how that pans out. But I think there's a lot of teams in that middle bit, like Crystal Palace. Depends on who comes in, doesn't it? Who's manager? How are they going to play? Like all of that stuff kind of plays out in the back of my mind. Zaha probably off. What does that mean for Elise and Eze? Does that make them more attractive? I think it does. But... Again, the fixtures, they're mixed. They're not bad to start the season. They're mixed. They've got Sheffield United to start. Then it's Arsenal, Brentford Wolves, Aston Villa, Fulham, Man United, Nottingham Forest, Newcastle, Spurs, before they get into their nice run, which starts in game week 11. And then they've got a really nice period of blue fixtures. But 
I think that they're a team. There's a lot of teams who are going to have the season starting with a new manager. And I think Palace is one that you can afford to wait on. With other teams like Chelsea, because the fixtures are nice from the beginning, I don't think you can afford to wait in the same way. I think you want to act relatively quickly when we work out who it is. But with Palace, you can. I think you can afford to wait it out and just see how they start the season. Yeah, that does make sense. Uh, it's, they're one of those teams that never truly has a, a highly owned player, really. So yeah. you can get away with it completely. Well, um, that's pretty much most of the teams covered there. So it's been a pleasure to have you on this pod, Sam. Thanks for your expertise. Thank you for having uh, me. Anytime, anytime. And please make sure to check out Fantasy Football Community's improved website, which covers fantasy games for the Premier League, Champions League, the MLS, several European leagues. And give us a follow on Twitter, if you don't already. It's at ffcommunity underscore. And we hope to see you back here next time. Thank you for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network.